People can't get enough of the Stouting Off podcast. Tune in each week as Drew Stoutenberg and his producer, Jordan McMillian, spout off commentary on the everyday. The Stouting Off podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. E2i Design is a full solutions provider for all things audio, video, lighting, and broadcast. Whether it be design, installation, or simply offering gear for a great price, E2i Design supports you by providing the right tools for the job. Look them up on Facebook or Instagram at E2i Design or visit their website, E2iDesign.com. Well, surprise, surprise, guess who's back for another one in the same week? How about that? Episode 209 of the Motor City HDJ podcast is entitled trust the process. And it's a little bit of a surprise today because I felt like you needed more content. And I did promise you quite a few episodes this year. So I need to play catch up as well. And that's what today is all about. I've never really talked about my process from start to finish. What happens when you reach out to me, when you get this thing started with Motor City HDJ? What does it look like from that point all the way until midnight 01 whenever your event is over. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Of course, my sponsor, the only sponsor of the podcast, E2i Design. Find them on their website, E2iDesign.com, or you can find them on all of their socials at E2i Design. Episode 209, Trust the Process. It starts right now. You know, sometimes it's just about sitting down in front of this stuff and going at it. Uh, That was kind of the vibe I was in today. I said, you know what? There's one piece of this process that I've never really talked about, and that is the process itself from start to finish. And so that's what I'm going to discuss today. Thank you so much for joining me once again. I am your DJ, Brett Cummins, and this is my outlet. You're tuned in because you're like, you know what? I care about what this guy has to say, and I love it. And I'm I'm so thankful that you're here to join me for another one. Uh, Most of the time, this is really just 30 minutes of me rambling, and I promise we're going to get to more interviews later in this season, I have a few past clients that have agreed to talk with me about a couple different topics we're going to discuss. I've got some other vendor friends that I'm trying to coordinate those interviews. It's just a matter of getting everybody's schedules to align perfectly. The world is busy. We are all busy. People are busy. I'm just thankful for those that have reached out and said, yeah, at least I'm going to join you on this thing. We just got to find a time to make it work. So rest assured that stuff is coming in the near future. But for today... I want to talk about this process, the process, what happens when you reach out to me, Brett Cummins of Motor City HDJ, I am the only guy, what happens when you reach out to me about your event? Let's start from the beginning. Right away, I can tell you, if you are reaching out to me, there is a very good chance that you have seen me play already. It is Without a doubt, the coolest thing that most of the people that are coming my way have already seen me in action. A lot of the email that I get, the correspondence, the the information request forms, people, when they answer the question, how did you hear about me in Motor City HDJ? They say, we've seen you play. That is huge. Some people will say a friend of a friend. Some people will say my venue referred me, my photographer referred me. But for the most part, a good majority of you, when you reach out to me, you've already seen me play. That really helps the process a whole lot. If I'm being completely candid with you, it is a very, very good thing. If you're reaching out to me and you've already seen me play, life is grand. 
Because that means you've already test-driven it, you've seen it, you've smelled it, you've heard it, you've felt it, the whole thing. All of your senses have been engaged, you've seen me play, and now the decision to work with me and Motor City HDJ is a lot easier. It's a lot easier for people to make that decision when they've already seen the product at work. What I do, what I offer, how I do what I offer is the product. So right away, if you've seen me play, check that off the list. It's a good thing. Really, it's a good thing for anybody trying to book mobile DJ entertainment because the toughest decision to make is, should we use this person despite the fact we can't see them play? And I've talked about this before in many episodes. I will not allow people, prospective clients, to come see me in action at somebody else's wedding. It's just not proper professional etiquette. You weren't invited to that wedding. I wouldn't invite people to your wedding to come see me play. Yeah, that, that's just how that has to go because it's just not professional. So we start right there. If you're reaching out to me, you've probably already seen me play. All right, so you heard about Motor City HDJ. You decided at some point to go to MotorCityHDJ.com. Maybe you started uh, with a quick perusing of the website or you said, you know what, I just want to see if the date is available. Either way, you're on the website. You eventually fill out the information request form. You send that to me. I'm going to get all the pertinent information right away. I'm going to find out who you are, best way to contact you, the best day and time to contact you, what you're looking for, where your event is going to be, what day it's going to be available. Interesting fact, by the way, I get this question a lot. People will send the information request form and then still ask, hey, are you available for our date? So here is a little power user tip for you as far as the information request form is concerned. If you're looking at the website and you ever fill out that form for you know an event or a future event, you will not be able to fill out that form if I am unavailable. There's actually a splash screen that pops up that says, sorry, try again. So if you're filling out that form, it means that I am available. All is good in this hood, and you are definitely able to inquire about that day. So you're filling out the information request form, giving me all the pertinent information I need, and then, based on when you say it's okay to call you, I'm going to give you a quick holler, and that is going to start the process. And that first phone call is, is really easy. It's not a whole lot of business going on. Usually, I will just reach out from that email. After I've reviewed it, I'm looking to just talk about your budget, what your vision is, ultimately how you heard about me specifically, if you saw me play, whose wedding were you at. I just want a few details just to get the conversation going so we can actually have an intelligent conversation about your day. And that first conversation that we have is really, really simple. And by the end of the conversation, my goal is for us to schedule a day and time to actually sit down and do a face-to-face -face consultation. Yes, that's right. I can't believe it. We're back to doing face-to-face <laughs> -face consultations. And naturally, for those that are out of town, that it would be easily a flight to go see. Yeah, I definitely offer virtual consultations to accommodate for everybody's needs. So our first call, the end game, is to schedule that face-to-face -face or virtually face-to-face -face consultation. We've scheduled the consultation. 
And the day has come for us to meet face-to-face, virtually or in person. And usually I'm going to get there first. I will be there about 15 minutes before you, hopefully. Sometimes I get lucky and my clients show up before me, which is awesome. But generally, I just like to be punctual for, for meetings. It's, it's a good thing to do. When you're meeting with someone to get there a little early, get the lay of the land, get a spot, make sure there's enough space. If you need power for anything, usually that's what I'm doing. If I feel like I need to bring out the laptop, normally the process just involves me and my iPad. I can do everything I need to these days on my iPad. I'll bring my iPad out and I'll load up my presentation. I'll load up a browser for us because we're going to look at the planning tools together. We'll also look at the agreement together. And then at that point, of course, after we've had a chance to talk, if you feel like I am the guy and I ask you in a semi-romantical way if I can be your DJ, then yeah, I will open up my credit card processing application as well so I can accept payment there for the initial retainer. But the initial consultation, that face-to-face consultation just involves a a good conversation. Uh, Usually that conversation is going to last about an hour. Uh, an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, just depending on how deep in conversation we get. But I walk through everything. I walk through my story about how I do what I do, how I started, my philosophy. I talk a lot about trust, respect, value, and excellence. Those are the four major components to my business. I talk about the fact that I treat every single client the same way every single time with no exceptions and no excuses. Our first conversation is very important. That face-to-face consultation lets you see it and hear it straight from me. And I don't like to do anything until we've had a chance to meet face-to-face. That face-to-face consultation really lets us understand each other a lot better than we would by just talking to each other on the phone. I I really dig the face-to-face consultation better than anything else because it gives us an idea of what we're thinking. I can read your facial language, you can read my facial language, and we can understand what we're talking about a little bit better. So we've walked through the presentation. The next thing I'm going to do is walk you through the online planning tools, show you how to use the planning forms, how to plan the music. And then finally, as part of that, we look over and review line by line the Motor City HDJ service agreement because there's a lot of legalese in there. And so I do my best to water it down and really just make it understandable for us common people. (laughs) Because in layperson speak, yeah, These agreements can be really, really intense as far as the legal language. And so I just want people to understand uh, on a very basic level what those mean. And then if you like it, I ask you if I can be your DJ. And at that point, if you say yes, then I'm going to accept half of that full investment up front. So I'm going to accept 50% as a retainer. And retainer versus deposit, I've had people ask me that question as well. What's the difference between a retainer and a deposit? I actually had to change my language a little bit during COVID because I I used to always say it was a non-refundable deposit. Well, it turns out you can't actually describe something as a non-refundable deposit. This is interesting, I believe, based on several different people that have advised me and all of the legal profession have advised me that a deposit cannot be non-refundable. The only thing that is non-refundable legally is a retainer, just like you would retain a lawyer for service. Same thing here. Because what I've done, especially through COVID, is if for some reason you have to cancel your event, you can keep me on retainer and then use my service for a future date. Doesn't matter what it is. You've already paid for it. So it's only fair that you have access to my service 
when you're ready to use it. I know I've discussed this before on other episodes, but I really just want to reconfirm my commitment to always being flexible. I've always been flexible with my process and how I do things. And especially through COVID-19, that flexibility has had to increase tenfold. I want people to have a good time, and I understand that things have happened. So moving forward, if you were to reschedule your event, as long as you've paid that non-refundable retainer, then yeah, 100% you can use that service for a future date. So we've read the agreement. You've paid your retainer. At that point, we wrap up our face-to-face or virtually face-to-face consultation, and now it's time to start planning. Now, some people would challenge my thinking on this, but regarding the Motor City HDJ part of your planning process, I am a little biased. I believe that my process is the most fun that you will have throughout the whole thing (laughs) because you are choosing the elements that will be the most fun part of the day. I've advised you during our consultation that I'm going to send you at least four emails throughout the process. I'm not sending these emails all back to back. They happen at different checkpoints throughout the planning process. So I send one at six months, 180 days. I send one at three months or 90 days. I send one at one month, 30 days, and then one a week out, seven days away. Again, they're just at various checkpoints to see how you're doing with my part of the process. Have you thought about this? This is where your head needs to be. We should have this stuff taken care of and out of the way. I'll be straight with you. A lot of people can get my planning stuff done fairly quickly. There are times where we've got mom so-and-so, dad so-and-so doesn't know what song they want to dance to with you, so we have to wait on those decisions. But for the most part, my planning forms and the music and everything you need to do can happen relatively quickly. But for those of you that want to give it a little bit of time, that's fine. I check in with you at those various intervals. So my part of the process is super duper simple, and you can do it all in the cloud at your own pace. That's why the online planning tools are there. Back in the day when I first started doing this, I actually, I did have a form on the website, but you'd have to fill it out all at once, and you wouldn't be able to go in save, make changes, come back out and go back to life and come back in and all that. So now with this dynamic planning system, you can plan it at your own pacing. You don't have to worry about having everything done in one fell swoop if you don't want to. Really, I've always hoped that the planning process with me would be super simple and less stressful than the other parts of the planning process. And there's a reason that I send out those reminder emails with so much distance between the first few, right? The first one sent at six months, assuming you've booked me further than six months out. And that's just a little touch to say, hey, hopefully you're thinking about the planning process. What can I do to help you with the planning process? How can I guide you along? Anything I can do at this point. And then, you know, with three months left to go before the big day, It's really just about, have you thought about these things? Let's make sure these things have been done. If you haven't looked at this already, maybe look at this specific thing. 30 days out is kind of the same thing, a little more urgent, right? The big day is only a month away. That's the subject of the email, so (laughs) it works out. And then finally, the final countdown, seven days before the event, the week of. Here's what we need. Let's dial it in. 
this is how the big day is going to be successful by doing these things. So the emails aren't meant to be an annoyance. It's really just touch bases, right? I'm just touching base, reaching out. Those are very corporate terms that I hate, but I had to use <laughs> because it's the truth. That's what I'm doing. Now, through that planning process, names and faces are going to change. The people that are involved might change because of, you know, one of your bridesmaids or one of your groomsmen or one of your wedding attendants can't be there now. We've got to substitute somebody else. And that's no big deal. All we got to do is hop back in that form, fix those names, easy peasy. We're off to the races. So as far as planning is concerned, getting the names, the timeline in there, getting the details in where they need to be. The forms have been designed with simplicity at the center. I've designed the forms so that, heaven forbid, I were to get sick on the day of your event, we could hand that form to someone that doesn't even know what they're doing. They could read off of the thing as if it were a script, and they know exactly what to do. That's why I've designed them with such simplicity. And that's just the, the forms, the names, and the timelines. Then we get into the music planning part of things. Now, since most of my events are weddings, of course, the music request section is really the biggest part of this whole thing. And I have a formula we talk about face-to-face -face that really you only need about 30 songs for open dancing as far as your suggestions of what I should play, the things you want to hear. That number's between 25 to 30 because mathematically, we don't have more than that time to do those things. And then I fill in the other half with my ideas, suggestions from your guests, requests, things like that. As far as open dancing is concerned, we really only need about 25 to 30 songs. Now, it's the, it's the other part of that, it, it, the dinner playlist, cocktail hour, the special songs that you want me to play. Those are some of the other elements that you're going to plan from within the client planning tools. That's all up to you. Now, I've got great ideas, the resource is there, but as far as the next step between the forms and the music, all of that is available to you within the online planning tools. All right, so let's fast forward to the big day, the day of the event, as far as my process and how I do things. So what I've typically done to this point, the week of the event, I have done my prep either one to two days ahead of time. Sometimes if there are last minute additions, and I mean, I've had people give me really, really last minute additions to either the music or the timeline. I've had to change things. Yeah, sometimes I'll do it the morning of, but really my process of getting prep done is really only about an hour to an hour and a half if I'm taking my time. So I've got all my prep done. As far as me, the day of, I'm all packed up and ready to go. The car was loaded the night before. All the uplights were charged the night before. All of the gear is in there from the night before so that all I have to do is take my shower, press my suit, and get out the door. So I get out the door. I'm on the road. I show up to your venue, usually, I will say, two hours ahead of time. I might give myself a couple extra minutes if I've never played the venue before. That way I can introduce myself to your venue contact, a person running the show there at the venue. So I arrive to the venue, get the lay of the land, talk to the coordinator at the venue to find out where I'm going to be if I've never been there before, and then I start loading in. I load in all of my sound equipment first, then I load in all of my lighting equipment, and then finally I load in the speaker stands, the truss stands, the truss itself, and that's the last thing. Once I begin setup, I'll take my car, I'll go park, I'll come back in ready to go ready to get set up. And from there, I'm all business. So I'm trying to get set up 
as efficiently as possible, I start setting up the truss first. The lighting truss goes up first because that thing is 10 feet wide, 10 feet high. I need to know exactly how much space I'm going to have, and then everything else goes around underneath that. So once I've set up the lighting truss, I'm going to hang the lights. And then, because the lighting truss is actually on a crank system, I'm going to crank that thing to 10 feet, and then the truss is set. It's ready to go. I don't move that thing. By the way, I don't move any of my equipment. Once I'm set up, that's it. I don't move anywhere else. I don't, you know, we can do uh, some of it in here, and then we can move and do it in this other place. No, no, no. It's a one and done. <laughs> I set up in one spot. If you want me to set up somewhere else, that's fine. And it's going to cost you, because that's time and, and a lot of energy to do that. So the lighting truss goes up first, and then underneath that, I actually set up my facade that I have, my DJ workstation facade. Really cool. Brand new to Motor City HDJ this year. It's an aluminum facade, which I can actually backlight. It's really, really functional, not only as where I'm going to set up my stuff and actually play, but because I'm backlighting it, it's going to just add another little touch of ambiance to the room. So I'm setting up my workstation. I'm setting up the mixers that are there. I'm setting up my computer. I'm getting all of my wiring run through it so that it's neat and tidy and clean and out of the way. You'll notice that it's a very neat and tidy appearance while I'm there. I typically don't like things just laying around because that doesn't bode well for anybody. And I'm setting up the speakers as well. So I'm going to set the speakers up on the sides of the lighting truss. I'm going to run those cables through my workstation facade. And then I'm going to do a quick little sound check. I really don't need much. I've, I've seen folks get in there and do a 30-minute sound check. I don't know why. It's the same thing every single time. Quiet during dinner. Crank it up to 11 while we're doing open dancing. So my sound checks are, are pretty quick. Uh, just enough for me to know that everything's working, powered on, and, and where it needs to be. After I've done that, I'm going to work myself around the room and I'm going to start to uplight the event space. Usually what I do is I start in the four corners of the room. Some rooms are a perfect square. Most rooms are not. You might have a little cove here or maybe an L shape over here. Some rooms are perfectly designed. Others have unique designs to them. So I try to hit all of the corners first and then I fill in the spaces from there and I use again. 18 LED uplighting fixtures to light up the event space just to add that little touch of ambiance and, and color to the room so that it's not so bland. At that point, I'm looking to see if everything is perfect. I am a perfectionist, so I might walk the room a few times just to make sure. Once I've done that, I'm actually going to turn the uplights off because everything's battery powered on the floor. So I save the battery there. I turn all the batteries off on the uplights. And I let them rest until it's time to go. Same deal with the, the light rig. Everything is, is set and ready to go. And I'm really, with whatever little extra time I have, I'm just going to take that time for myself, kind of collect myself, get myself together for the rest of what's about to happen. Usually, by that point, if I'm there early enough, if the ceremony is on premise, then I'm heading out to where the ceremony site's going to be. I'm going to set up my ceremony setup out there. Make sure that that's all ready to go. And if I have enough time, if the ceremony's on premise, if I have enough time, I may at that point go get changed into my suit. Most of the time I do not, simply because I want to stay, how do I say this? I really just want 
when, when it's time for me to be dressed up, it's time for me to be dressed up. I don't want to be running around sweating in this nice suit that I have um, changed into. So I stay in my work clothes as long as I can in order to preserve my non-sweatiness from setting up once I get changed. So it is at this point where we are transitioning into cocktail hour. And no matter if the ceremony took place on premise or if it was off site, we are now at the point where you're probably going to be having some sort of cocktail hour or d'oeuvres, something to keep your guests busy before we actually officially start the reception part of the evening. Most cocktail hours are going to go anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour. Some go an hour and 15 minutes, just depends. But it's enough time for the wedding party to arrive to the venue or at least arrive to the space where we're going to do the reception and the rest of the night's activities. At some point during cocktail hour, I will have noticed that the wedding party is ready to go. And so I'm going to go into the main reception area and call the room to order. Very simply, I'm going to hop on the mic real quick, let folks know that we're going to get started in about five minutes. I always give a five-minute warning because it's, you know, usually enough urgency that people are like, oh, okay, I better find my seat and get, to get situated before things begin. So I will begin calling the room to order, and then I'll head back out to the main area, the vestibule, usually an area in front of where folks would enter the reception. So I'm going to run you and your wedding party through what's about to happen. We're going to go through the introduction order. I'm going to tell them where they need to be, where they need to go, where they need to stand, where you need to be, where you need to go, where you need to stand, what's going to happen next, those kinds of things. We run through that order very quickly. I line everybody up. I make arrangements with the venue for someone to hopefully open doors so that y'all can come in without having to have me stand there. They usually have it figured out by now. And then I get back in the room. I make a quick look over to your photographers, videographers, anybody that's going to be capturing these moments in some sort of media form, right? Be it pictures or video. Make sure that they're set and ready to go. And then I call the room to order one last time. Folks, we're going to get started. Hopefully, it's at that point that everybody just kind of rubber, 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 you know, finishes their conversations and they're ready to go. So now, hopefully, I'm going to gain control of the room, and this is where I will introduce myself. I'll have people say my name. I usually will say something to the effect of, oh, I want to welcome everybody. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Brett. Everybody say, hi, Brett, and then they all, hi, Brett. You know, hopefully, I'm getting them to respond because it lets me know that they're listening, that I have control of the room. Then I continue on by just letting them know how excited I am to be there. Of course, I do the um, textbook. Uh, you know, I'm excited to be here. I know they're excited that you're here. Would you let them know? Because they're they're standing right outside that door. Would you let them know if you're excited to be here? And then give them the old, yeah. And of course, I do the, I don't believe you. Yeah. You know, they come back at it with more intensity and energy. And, and I do those couple of things like I've explained to my clients in, in consultations. I know they're kind of cheesy, but they work. And the reason I do them is because, you know, your, your guests need to know who's in charge of the night. They need to know who's running the show. My biggest pet peeve about weddings is that whenever I go to a wedding and something like that doesn't happen, we're all sitting around wondering who's in charge, who's running this thing, what's happening next. So those two little elements allow me to gain control of the room, take charge, and get this thing moving. After I've gotten control of the room, I'll usually recognize the parents at that point. I say something to the effect of, uh, you know, at this point, I want to recognize some very special people because without them, literally, we would not be here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, the parents of our beautiful bride, the parents of our handsome groom, 
or I just recognize the parents of the couple, however you want me to do that. And, and even those that are, if you've got blended families or you've got, you know, someone's parent has passed, I always want to be sensitive to those things as well. I recognize everybody that's there, either physically or in spirit. After I've introduced the parents, it's time. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce a group of people that our couple have chosen to represent them on this day, the wedding party. Cue the music, and we're off to the races. The introductions are my favorite part, because what we're doing is we are setting the tone for the rest of the night. And the other big pet peeve of mine, the reason I do this in the first place is because there have been so many weddings over the years where the introduction was so lackluster and just so boring. And the energy of the introduction sets the tone for the whole night. If this thing bombs, the whole night is headed for disaster. Some people might think that's an exaggeration, but I, from experience, have found that to be the truth. If the introduction is lacking something, then the rest of the night is lacking that same element. And so I want to make this moment as big as I possibly can. So I bring in the wedding party. They will usually find their spot at the head table. Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet. It's time to meet and greet for the second time today, my friends and yours. <sighs> you guys come into the room. You all come into the room. Your guests go wild, and then it's at that point where I will usually ask them to be seated. Your wedding party will usually stay standing the entire time so that the two of you can immediately cut the cake. It's an etiquette thing. Then the two of you will find your spot at the head table. You'll sit, and I'll just give you a beat. Just kind of soak it in, take it in, let you just really feel the room, and, and just take a look at all the guests, the people that came to see you today and be there for you today. I, and, and also just to decompress, because what you're doing is unnatural, right? You're throwing a party for yourself. You've invited all these people. And what we're about to do, man, oh man, <laughs> you're going to be bombarded with people who all want your attention on this day. So I want you to have that moment for yourselves. So you've had your moment, and now we're going to pass the mic off to some people that want to say some things about you. This is where we're going to do some toasting, and I always recommend that to my couples, anybody that's going to give a toast, let them know that this is a toast and not a speech. We're not here to make some sort of impassioned speech about our personal beliefs or things that happened before the bride and groom or the couple met. You can definitely hear about this in a previous episode of the podcast, actually recently released episode of the podcast, talking about uh, the toast and, uh, and how it should really go. So we're going to hear from a few people that want to say some things about the two of you. Maybe someone will bless the meal. We'll pass the microphone off to that person. And then it's at that point that dinner will be served. And dinner is an easy part of this whole thing. You're probably hungry. Your guests are probably hungry. I'm going to encourage you to eat your meal as fast as humanly possible to enjoy it because you're going to want to use that time to mingle with your guests. You're going to want to mingle with your out-of-towners and your old people first, older people, I should say, first. And then you're going to really just let it kind of do its thing because the other folks that are going to be there the rest of the night drinking your booze, you don't really need to mingle too much with them because you're going to probably see them for the rest of the night. So you've eaten dinner, you've mingled, and then at some point, your photographers will probably want to grab you for a golden hour picture. We want to make sure we get that in. If it happens to coincide with dancing at some point, sure, that's totally good too. But now we get to move on to those special dance moments. We're talking about that first dance for the two of you, one of you dancing with mom, one of you dancing with dad. Maybe we do an anniversary dance, get all the married couples out on the dance floor, find out who's been married the longest. And if you're still hip to the bouquet and garter stuff, yeah, we can do that too. Slip that in there. Any other special elements you want to do? And then at that point, it's open dancing time. 
the dance floor is open. Your guests are just going to cut some rug because that's all they've wanted to do all night long. That's right. All they've wanted to do was party with you. And that's what we're about to do. So that's the most exciting thing for them. Now, one thing I want to remind you of, as far as my process is concerned, I always remind my clients that the open dancing part of the night is like a bell curve, really. Think of it as an upside down bell curve or however you want to look at it. But that bell curve says that as we start open dancing, your guests just want to dance. So they're going to hit it hard for about 45 minutes or so. They're going to really get in there and really going to want to dance. And so it's my job to keep that energy up for as long as I possibly can. At some point, someone will want to veer away, slow things down. I'll throw on a couple slow songs for for the older people. And the rest of your group is out there going to get more drinks or use a restroom or whatever the case may be. And then after those slow songs, I come out of that with some sort of group dance to get everybody back out there and then rinse and repeat. Usually, you don't want to see that bell curve happen any more than once throughout the night. And I'm pretty good at controlling it. I always encourage my couples to not put too many slow songs on the playlist that they're going to develop because the more slow stuff you have on there, well, the slower the energy is going to be, the the softer the energy is going to be. So you have to ask yourself, do you want that energy to be at 11 all night long? Do you want it to be to be at eight? Do you want it to be at two? You determine the energy there. And we're looking at really the sweet spot of open dancing being about three to three and a half hours. Honestly, any any longer than that, any more than four hours of open dancing, people will get tuckered out or they'll get too drunk and then they'll have to go home. They might get sick or dehydrated or something. So you want to keep that sweet spot between three to three and a half hours, really not going any longer than four at the very, very most. Then we're done. Lights come up, everybody, oh, you know, they don't want to go home. One more song. Then I have to remind them, you have the contract with the venue. And as much as I'd love to play one more song, I typically don't get to do that. And then I load out. Usually takes me about 30 minutes or less to tear down. I'm a ninja when it comes to tearing down my gear. Hopefully you're still there when I'm tearing down. I can hug some necks and I get to thank you for letting me share this very special day with you. Whoever else is there, maybe I'm talking with your venue coordinator as well, just to say thank you for letting me play in their house once again. And then I'm on my way. And at some point, the week after your event, I'll send you an email. I'm going to ask you to review my service because it's important to me. I want to know how I did. I want to honestly know how you think I did. And in that, I ask for some other information. I like to send out little goodies at the end of the process as well, just as a way to say thanks. And that's it. Top to bottom, that is the process of an event with me and Motor City HDJ. From planning to execution, from setup to teardown, that's me. That's how I do what I do. If this is the first time that you're hearing this, or if you're listening to this and you haven't booked your event with me and Motor City HDJ yet, hopefully... It's painted a pretty good picture of what I'm capable of and how I do what I do. If you've already said yes to me in Motor City HDJ and you're listening to this and it's just getting you more excited, well, hey, that's awesome too. I'm so excited that I get to play for you. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. I got more good stuff coming around the corner. Just take care of yourselves. Be kind. Have a great week. Bye.